Hello, everybody. I'm Ward Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Cowden coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, the Southern Baptist Convention sees another leader resign in scandal and names a new interim replacement. Also, Pulse Outreach, an evangelistic mega-ministry geared towards younger adults, claims that they've reached 300 million people with the gospel, but won't share how they arrived at that number. We'll get to that later in the program. We begin today with news that a Christian relief ministry is accusing Bank of America of discriminating against them based on their religious beliefs. On April 27th of this year, Indigenous Advance Ministries received a letter from Bank of America. It said that upon review of your accounts, we have determined that you're operating a business type that we have chosen not to service at Bank of America. Another letter informed them that the bank would be restricting the ministry's deposit account with a balance of over $270,000 and close it within 30 days, rather. Indigenous Advance Ministries is a Christian ministry group that supports needy children in Uganda, and they have been clients of Bank of America since the ministry was launched in 2015. When board members tried to get more information, the bank refused to elaborate beyond what the letter said. Then, in May, the bank closed the accounts because its risk profile no longer aligned with the bank's risk tolerance, that according to another letter. And the bank did not give any other details on the risk issue they were referring to. The ministry did switch to a different bank before the accounts were closed, but they are now suing Bank of America for discrimination. Alliance Defending Freedom is representing Indigenous Advanced Ministries, and in a press release, they said that the consumer complaint filed with the Tennessee Attorney General's Office will investigate whether the bank illegally discriminated against the charity because of its religious views. Warren, what kind of work does this ministry do? It's a great question, and it is relevant to this uh, complaint. Indigenous Advanced Ministries partners with Ugandan ministries to provide basic necessities and educational opportunities to orphans and other vulnerable children. In its complaint, the ministry says that its mission and work to Ugandan children hasn't changed since it first began banking with Bank of America. In other words, if we're bad now, why weren't we bad then? Uh, It also says that the abrupt announcement disrupted its services, including a mission trip planned for June in Uganda, and it temporarily prevented them from paying salaries to employees in Uganda. The consumer complaint also suggests Bank of America violated its own corporate governance policy, which indicates the bank promotes and values diversity of religion. According to the Tennessee Attorney General's website, Bank of America has 14 days to respond to the initial complaint. And if they don't, they'll be given another 14 days after receiving a second letter. Now, I should also add, Natasha, that after we published this story uh, earlier this week, we did hear from a spokesman from Bank of America. And uh, in an email, uh, he said this, we are proud to provide banking services to nonprofit organizations 
organizations affiliated with diverse faith communities throughout the United States. Religious beliefs are not a factor in any account closing decision. Our U.S. division that serves small businesses doesn't offer banking services to organizations that provide debt collection services for a variety of risk-related reasons and doesn't serve small businesses operating outside of the United States. And I should add here, Natasha, that in fact, if you go to uh, uh, the ministry's website, it does say plainly that they do offer accounting and collection services to other organizations in Uganda. Warren, our next story is about one of the oldest black churches in Miami, Florida. That's St. John Institutional Missionary Baptist Church has just three weeks to pay back a $1.6 million loan that their former pastor took out without them knowing. And if the church doesn't come up with the money, three of their buildings will be auctioned off. Yeah, that's right. The church has roots that go all the way back to 1906. The historic church is not a part of the foreclosure itself, but as you mentioned, three of their other main buildings are, including a fellowship hall. Warren, how does something like this happen? Well, that's a great question. The church's former pastor, a man named uh, Bishop James Adams, was elected pastor of St. John's back in 2010. And in 2017 and 2018, he signed his name to two mortgages that totaled nearly $2.5 million, pledging those three church buildings as collateral. Now, much of that money, though, was spent on an expensive riverfront condominium. And church leaders said that they knew nothing about the mortgages when Adams took them out, and they fired him in 2021 after learning about them. The church then sold the condo to pay off as much of the mortgages as they could, but they still owe about $1.6 million. The mortgage lender filed a foreclosure lawsuit in 2022. Already, the Miami judge has extended the auction date from August 14th to September 11th, giving the church a little more time to come up with the rest of the money. The church uh, says that for the last 117 years, St. John's has been a vital part of Miami's community. They, uh, in a statement, said that some of our congregants are fifth-generation church members carrying on their family's legacies, providing essential services and spiritual support for those in need. And in 1992, the 1940-built a cathedral, the main church building, was included in the National Register of Historic Places. The church, which has four times hosted the National Baptist Convention, was created um, by the first significant black architectural firm in the United States as well. But despite all of that legacy and a GoFundMe campaign in an attempt to raise money, it's not looking good right now of the $1.6 million that they need to raise. They've only raised a couple hundred thousand dollars so far. Warren, let's look at one more story before the break. Last week, Willie McLaurin, who was the interim president of the Southern Baptist Convention's executive committee, resigned after it came out that he had falsified his resume. McLaurin had been in the running for the permanent role of president of the SBC, but the search committee learned that he had listed schools on his resume that he had either never attended or not completed degrees with. His resume also included two diplomas that were fraudulent. 
According to the Baptist press, McLaurin did apologize in his resignation letter, admitting to the lies. If he had been named executive committee president, McLaurin would have been the first black leader to head a major Southern Baptist entity. McLaurin had been interim president and CEO of the executive committee since February of 2022 and had worked for the executive committee since 2020. Uh, The committee oversees the business of the nation's largest Protestant denomination between the SBC's annual meetings. McLaurin isn't the first or even the second executive committee president to resign in some sort of scandal. That's right. He's not. Uh, The previous president, uh, Arkansas preacher Ronnie Floyd, resigned in 2021 due to controversy over the SBC's sex abuse crisis. His predecessor, the Reverend Frank Page, resigned in 2018 due to misconduct. But now the SBC has named someone new to take McLaurin's place. Yeah, Jonathan Howe will serve as the group's interim leader, at least until the committee's next scheduled meeting in mid-September. Executive Committee Chairman Philip Robertson said that the group's bylaws require a vice president to serve as interim pending approval of the full board. And Jonathan Howe was the group's vice president of communications. He told Religion News Service, for as long as I've been in denominational life, my chief desire has been to serve Southern Baptists. I appreciate the trust the board has placed in me. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, we'll have an update on what Christian ministries are doing to bring aid and essential services to Maui. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host, Warren Smith. We'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Up next, the story we promised before the break, it's an update on what's happening in Maui. The terrible fires that swept through the historic village of Lahaina uh, have so far left at least 100 people dead and many hundreds more missing. And we've been reporting on what Christians who want to contribute to the disaster can do to help. You can find a list of ministries that we recommend at the Ministry Watch website. Today, though, we bring news that a large facility operated by the Salvation Army was one of those that was completely destroyed. The Salvation Army lost its Lahaina Lighthouse Corps complex to the fires. That complex included administration building, church, thrift store, and residential quarters for its staff. 
Now, all the staff were evacuated safely, but the buildings are a total loss, according to a spokesperson for the Salvation Army. And despite that loss, though, the Salvation Army continues to serve there. Major Troy Trimmer, a divisional commander of the Salvation Army for the Hawaiian and Pacific Islands, said that right now our main focus remains serving those on Maui by not only coordinating and providing meals, but also providing emotional and spiritual care. With about $6 billion in damage tallied so far, this has proven to be the costliest natural disaster in Hawaii's state history. Or in our next story involves some extraordinary claims by a rapidly growing Christian ministry. The organization is called Pulse Outreach, and if you've never heard of it, you're likely not alone. It was formed by in 2006 by Nick Hall, who promotes himself as this generation's Billy Graham. His organization has claimed to have reached more than 300 million people with the gospel, and they say that nearly 2 million people have responded to the ministry's invitation to follow Christ. Well, if that's true, that would be a good thing. Well, of course it would, uh, but Pulse has been unable to give Ministry Watch a clear idea of how it has arrived at those numbers. They didn't respond to multiple inquiries uh, from us asking how they keep up with and keep track of the numbers. Originally, the organization was focused on in-person evangelism events. Uh, Pulse's media presence, though, has grown substantially. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we decided to do a profile on them, because they came in out of nowhere at number 22 this year on Ministry Watch's list of the 50 largest media ministries in the country. Um, So, for example, uh, as part of their ministry offerings this year on April the 7th, uh, they presented a Good Friday revival that was live streamed starting at 5 a.m. and available all day long. It aired in 186 countries and 39 different languages. Pulse claims that over 1.3 million people responded to the gospel message during that event, uh, according to an article by God TV. But once again, we tried to confirm those articles and we were not able to get any additional information other than the original claims. And Hall has his critics. He does. Uh, among them are Tim Challies, who's a respected uh, author and blogger. Uh, Challies said Hall's emphasis on unity has caused him to partner with speakers and musicians for some of his events who are outside of the bounds of Christian orthodoxy. Here's what Challies wrote about one of Pulse's events. Hall's kind of unity does not and cannot please God because it welcomes those who damage or destroy his gospel. Sadly, some disunity is good and necessary when it involves separation from those who deny what is most fundamental about the gospel. And I should say that Hall's star is definitely on the rise, and he does have his supporters, uh, including uh, Ed Stetzer and David Platt has spoken at events that he's put on, Lecrae and Matt Marr have have, uh, sung at those events, and these are all, you know, respected folks within the evangelical world. I should say that in addition to his leadership at Pulse, Hall is also the president and CEO of the Table Coalition, the United States Committee of the Lausanne Movement, and he sits on the board of the National Association of Evangelicals. 
Orin. We're going to take another break when we return our lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Well, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What is up first? Well, as anti-Christian incidents uh, perpetrated by religious Jewish extremists have increased in a number over the last few months, church leaders both in this country and in Israel are pleading with government officials to take the matter more seriously. Until recently, those pleas have gone largely unheeded, uh, preoccupied with an unprecedented political crisis that was sparked by the December 2022 election of a government dominated by nationalists and ultra-Orthodox Jews, though the Israeli government has given little attention to these anti-Christian assaults, at least that's according to church leaders. Bishop Rafik Nara in Nazareth um, is the Catholic patriarchal vicar for Israel, and he has called the Israeli police response weak. Now, I know a lot of our listeners have a strong interest in Israel, and we have about a dozen ministries that work closely with Israel in the Ministry Watch 1000 database. Christian ministry in Israel has been something that we've been covering here at Ministry Watch for many years. So we wanted to include this article and sort of uh, mention that you can read much, much more about the current situation by going to the Ministry Watch website. You'll find that story right on the front page. Who's in the ministry spotlight this week? Crossfire Ministries is uh, the ministry that we have put in the spotlight. They began in 1995 as a Christian food pantry in Colorado Springs, but now Crossfire provides food for around 10,000 people each year, uh, serving them on average of about six times a year during crisis or other times in their lives. It also provides clothing, household items, personal hygiene items, and backpacks filled with school supplies for children at the beginning of the school year. Its Thanksgiving promotion gives away food boxes for the holiday. It's also donated about a thousand Bibles and New Testaments and 2,000 blankets a year. Crossfire has five paid staff members, but the majority of the work is carried out by about 250 volunteers. And who did Christina Darnell feature in Ministries Making a Difference? Well, Child Evangelism Fellowship is one that uh, I want to pay particular attention to. Uh, They are shipping their booklet, Do You Wonder Why?, to churches and individuals in Hawaii to connect uh, with victims of the area's devastating wildfires. The booklets are designed to help kids working through 
questions, you know, like the problem of suffering and the problem of pain, uh, you know, kind of grown up ideas, but they often become front and center for kids during natural disasters. Um, by the way, Child Evangelism Fellowship has a one out of five stars uh, financial efficiency rating from Ministry Watch, but it does have a good donor confidence score, 86, which means that you can give with confidence. Also want to mention Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. They're also partnering with churches in Maui to provide care for victims of the wildfire. So far, over 6,000 crisis care kits have been mobilized to the island from Nazarene warehouses on the mainland. And of course, we've mentioned Samaritan's Purse in the last uh, couple of weeks, Natasha. They've airlifted 17 tons of emergency relief equipment, tools, and volunteers to Hawaii in their DC-8 cargo plane in the wake of those deadly wildfires. Samaritan's Purse, if you're interested, has a donor confidence score of 60, which is not quite in our give with confidence category. We say give with caution there. Warren, any final thoughts before we go? Well, I want to mention that we have a profile on, of the Pro-Life Group Live Action on the website this week. Uh, Live Action was founded by Lila Rose, uh, who became famous about 20 years ago by producing undercover videos that she took in abortion facilities. Her organization has grown dramatically since then and expanded from there. They now do training in uh, other kinds of pro-life activism. And financially, they've grown as well. They have about $7 million a year in revenue, making one of the largest pro-life organizations of the nation. And Natasha, the reason we wanted to feature them is because they are not a Christian organization per se. They don't belong to the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. They don't have a statement of faith. Now, I do want to be clear that I've known Lila Rose personally for more than a decade, in fact, probably closer to 15 years now. And when I was at World Magazine, I featured her as part of a video series that I did for World called new Christian voices. But we do get a lot of questions about live action because they, you know, as I said, are not a Christian organization. So we thought it was worthwhile to do a profile because they do get a lot of money from evangelical donors. You can read that profile. It's on the front page of our website. And I also wanted to mention in closing that um, Ministry Watch itself is a donor-supported organization. And if you make a gift during the month of August, you'll receive a digital subscription to World Magazine. A uh, digital subscription to World would cost you uh, as much as $50 if you just went to their website and bought it. But you get to decide how much you want to give, though, of course, we hope you will be generous. Just go to the ministrywatch.com website and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Sedith. Writers who contributed to today's program include Bob Smetania, Kim Roberts, Eric Openar, Michelle Chabin, Christina Darnell, Rod Pitzer, and you, Warren. A special thanks to the Nonprofit Times for contributing materials for this week's podcast. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.